This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome to Podcast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's hockey podcast show. I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22, and I'm joined, as always, by AJ Scholz at S-C-H-O-L-Z, who is an excellent follow for hockey fans at AJ Scholz24. AJ, we're into December, and that means the third month of the NHL campaign is underway, and we're starting to see a form chart that shows some teams are very likely going to produce surprising results, some good and some bad. That's what I really like about the salary cap era. It's such a level playing field that will normally produce surprising developments and give us plenty to talk about every week. There's no dominant franchises out there that I can see. Uh, everybody's still got a shot, uh, the way I look at it. Yeah, I, I'm with you there, Paul. I like the the salary cap era. I, I think it, uh, as you mentioned, you know, spreads out a little bit of parity between the teams. And it also, I think, is good for fans. Uh, you know, if you're one of those teams that's been struggling for a couple of years, uh, you're still, every year you're still in it just because, you know, every team has to reach the same level. You can bring in new guys. Um, certainly there are teams that have been better over longer stretches of late uh, chicago certainly won the kings uh the capitals um but you know it does as you mentioned gives some parody which which i also enjoy um and then yeah as as always before we get into the program want to remind our listeners that throughout the week if you have any questions about your lineups fantasy hockey or just hockey in general uh, you can tweet at us and, and we'll try and answer your questions either during our next podcast or, or throughout the week again you can follow me at AJ Scholes, S-C-H-O-L-Z 24. And you can also follow Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman 22. You know what? And we've had some good feedback in terms of questions. People are asking me, you know, should I trade this guy for that guy? Or who do you think is going to produce better given certain situations? There was an interesting one that came down the pipe. I want to see how you weigh in on it, AJ. We had a question come in uh, comparing uh, 
Parise, Zach Parise and Jonathan Taves. Which one should I take in my pools? I'm going to throw that question out to you, and then I'll tell you what I told the guy. Yeah, I like uh, I like the idea of getting Taves. Um, my one lingering concern is is the back injury. Um, is it going to be, you know, if he's only going to be out a couple of days, I definitely would jump on that. But if he's going to be out a couple of weeks, then I start to hem and haw a little bit. Yeah, we're not quite midseason, so you have time to get him back. But uh, I, I think ultimately I, I would jump on it as long as I have some additional cover on my lineup for the, you know, the week or two that Taves is going to be out. Yeah, and the way I looked at it was, you know, you've got to look at these guys for the skills they bring to the table. If you're talking about scoring ability, I think Parise is your guy, but you also have to look at the way the, your pool, if it's a season-long one, what are the other stats involved? If plus-minus is heavily uh, influencing in a category or penalty minutes or things like that, it might skew things very definitely in favor of Taves over Parise. Uh, face-offs, also a factor. Uh, special teams points they can go either way so you got to factor it all in it's just not scoring ability when you talk about players in most of the pools that are out there because uh, pools have gotten very creative and and uh, complex in terms of the season long with the categories that they involve so interesting question and I kind of phrased my answer in in a way that said you know it really depends on the makeup of your pool but uh, all all things considered I I thought Parise was the better pick given the the fact that he's a more capable scorer if if they're both healthy Uh, so an interesting thought there and uh, we encourage people to come up with more questions like that and challenge us and we'll be happy to tweet out our answers and uh, share our opinions we're not shy about that every week when we do this show aj so <laughs> we're gonna kick it off like we always do with some look at some of the bigger storylines from around the league as we bounce through the 30 teams we have some pretty significant uh, news uh, this week as usual so we'll begin in anaheim uh rickard raquel after such a strong start this guy's injured right now uh, and does it uh, to me it opens up the door for young nick ritchie on that top line to join perry and getzlaff again and move cogliano onto the second line so look for the profile of those two players to rise in my opinion do you have anything more to add in that circumstance aj yeah i'm actually a little concerned about richie he hasn't scored in the last five games and i'd actually like to see jakob silverberg up on the up on the top line there uh, he's got, you know, 17 points a season, uh, has minimal contributions on the power play, just two points there. But I think on a, on a top line and, and some more uh, chances there, that's a guy I think could really capitalize. And then uh, I, I agree with those points. I love the, the, the suggestion you have about Silver, a guy who has a bag full of uh, tricks uh, offensively. In Arizona, the old man is in the subject of trade rumors. Shane Doan has been named in multiple rumors uh, around the league. Some uh, some teams that are going to be there at the end really want to beef up their offense. Uh, a name like Mo- Montreal has been surfacing and related to Doan for the last year and a half. But on the other side of the coin, young Anthony Duclair is also in trade talks, but for far different reasons. I think it seems like Arizona's a bit down on this guy, and they have a wealth of young talent that they might look at... Uh, giving up on one of the guys maybe a bit little bit prematurely i don't know if it's a great move because this guy also is a very uh, he has a a lot of skills to his uh to his uh, name as well yeah i definitely like duclair's uh bag of tricks there I, i think he'd be the one i would go for um between the two just you know don he's got just seven points he is 40 years old and I'm just not sure what they'll get on the trade market for him. Uh, but, you know, I think Duclair, they could get uh, a quality return on, on their investment there. 
if teams are looking at his 2015-16 stats, not necessarily this year's stats. Duclair's having a little bit of a down year, which is why I think they've bumped him off. Uh, you know, he's a healthy scratch right now of late. Yeah, and you pointed out before we went to air, Zdeno Chara is back in the lineup for the Boston Bruins. They've they've weathered that storm very nicely. We'll get into a couple of reasons why later on in the show, but uh, certainly the big man back in the lineup has to help the Bruins. But on the downside, in the offseason about a year and a half ago, they spent a lot of money on Matt Bolesky, and this guy's turned into a bust. Uh, he's on the books for $3.8 million for three more years. He's only got five points in 24 games. I really hesitate when, when a team goes after a guy who's had one decent year on his resume and capitalizes at the free agent window. I was all set to disagree with you about uh, Bolesky there being a little bit of a bust. I, I, I don't hate the signing and then saw this morning that he's going to be out the next at least six weeks with a right knee injury. So uh, I definitely think when you add in the injuries, I think you're right there, Paul. Uh, bust might have to be how they label that signing. Yeah, it's too bad, and it's on the books for a while. I mean, he, he has a 20-goal season on his resume, but that's where he capitalized. I would have liked to have seen him do it more than once before I committed that kind of money to this player who has been more, more or less a third-liner much of his career. So uh, sometimes it can blow up in your face, but... Uh, a team like Buffalo, on the other hand, they ought to be thrilled that their signature player for the future is back in the lineup. Jack Eichel, boy, we thought that the, his guy, this guy, you particularly said, you don't think he's going to miss a beat when he gets back in the fold. And look what he's done. Three goals, one helper in three games, looking for all the world like he's ready to tear it up. And uh, so kudos to him. And also kudos to Robin Lehner and, and uh, Anders Nilsson in goal. They've really put a lid on the goals against average there. But on the downside... Rasmus Ristolainen, a defenseman they pinned a lot of hopes on as their power play quarterback and the first pairing D guy with some offensive upside. No goals, 12 assists, and a minus 7 rating. Yeah, Risto's struggles, are, I think, are particularly to blame for the team's minus 14 goal differential. Um, and, and I'm not as, uh, not as high on Lerner as you are. You know, he's come up short in his last three um, I really think this this team needs to switch over to Nilsson permanently. Um, I know I've harped on that the last couple of weeks, but Lerner keeps coming up short and keeps giving me more fuel for the fire. <laughs> well, uh, over time, we're going to see how that turns out. But Sabres certainly have pinned their hopes on on yet another of those big, tall goalies. Lerner, I believe, is six foot seven, and he has good skills. I, I trust him a little more than you do, so it'll be interesting to see how that one pans out. But certainly the Sabres are pinning their hopes on this guy. Nilsson, though, as you point out, is a guy that can take the ball for a, a stretch and, uh, and uh, stabilize things when the starting goalie is struggling. This might be a time to turn to him, and he's done it in the past. So you're quite, uh, quite uh, smart to, to point that one out, and I think it could really happen in the very near term, like you said. Laner is struggling right now, but uh, good option to have a 1B back there. Hey, if you want to send that loony down in the mail right now, you can sh- ship it off. I'll, I'll collect right away on that one because I, I think Lerner is gonna gonna sink their season. To be honest, if oh. they don't make the switch. Oh my, that's that's maybe we got to double down on that one. <laughs> we'll have to see. Uh, in Calgary, another goalie pairing is is working out kind of the way that you saw as well. Chad Johnson is outplaying Brian Elliott by a wide margin. I looked into the salary commitments to these guys, and Elliott's only costing him uh, about $800,000 more. I thought it was a a greater disparity there, but uh, he's only signed for one year, so they really aren't over committing to him and and certainly can ride Johnson for a while. He's 
as I said, been been much better than Elliott so far this season, almost by a goal a game in terms of their goals against average, maybe more actually, 1.2 goals a game, uh, 2.11 versus 3.31. So uh, uh, the hot guy will play for sure, and I think it's just win and you stay in over there. But uh, they're also bolstered by the fact that Johnny Hockey has returned, and he did so with a bang. But they've st- separated Monaghan and, and uh, Johnny Gaudreau. I wonder if that's going to work out in the long run, or do you think it's a temporary move in this instance? Yeah, I, I think they will stick together. Um, and I, I like them teaming up. I, I think those two guys can really complement each other well. You know, if you go back pre-injury, uh, Goudreau has six points in his last five games, uh, so definitely has not missed a beat. And th- this situation, in my opinion, is the opposite of what we're seeing in Buffalo. Uh, you know, the coaching staff there agreed very quickly. Johnson's outperforming, uh, you know, his his rival there. And so they made the switch right away, put Brian Elliott in the backup role. And they're, you know, just uh, they're actually out of the, the wild card race right now. But they're tied in number of points um, with Winnipeg and the Kings. So they're right there in it. And I think a lot of that has to do with the, the staff's willingness to switch over to Johnson right away when they noticed that he was the, the clear starter there. Exactly. Uh, we move on to Carolina. And, you know, I hesitated to include Justin Falk in a list of the top defensemen, top offensive-minded defensemen in the league because of the supporting cast around him. And you're seeing that play out this year with the fact that this guy's not delivering the offense that we're used to seeing. He's down to only seven points in 22 games, along with a minus nine. You could support the minus nine if he was scoring like he did last year, one of the top goal scorers among all D-men and up there in the points. But but when the points are not there, that minus is, is more glaring. And this guy, uh, I hope people didn't overcommit to him in the, in the preseason draft on season-long pools. Certainly in the daily game, if you're looking for a defenseman, he's a power play quarterback, but you've got to really wonder season long about the profile of this player. Yeah, I mean, he's got just two points uh, since late October. Um, you know, his minutes have dropped off, but they probably should be, you know, when he's not scoring like that. Um, they seem to be kind of uh, spreading out the, the minutes across all three of their defensive pairings, which I like to see. And I, I agree there's, there's not a lot uh, to help him out. But, you know, when he's going to be one of your, your linchpins of your team, you, you have to expect more. Um, and it's definitely been a disappointing start to the season for him. And it doesn't help when two of their top centers, maybe the top two centers on this roster, Lindholm and Stahl, are out with injuries. So right now, I would avoid the uh, Carolina team in terms of DFS picks. And, and Falk certainly needs to score more to earn my trust again. In Chicago... The captain is out of the lineup still. This is the longest that Taves has missed for a few years now. He's on the IR nursing a back injury, and I don't know. I haven't heard too much about the prognosis long term, but the more it drags on, the more I'm a little bit concerned here for the Hawks. They've they've had a bit of a turnover in their forward lineups in the last couple of years, but the stability that this guy brings to the table and the leadership has, has carried this team to the upper echelon of the league for the last couple of years, despite losing some talent around the fringes. But now, with him out of the lineup, I think they're a little more exposed. And it doesn't help that their goalie, starting goalie, Corey Crawford's expecting to miss two or three weeks after an appendectomy. So if other teams are must be feeling a little bit better about seeing Chicago up on their ske- upcoming schedule because you got a better chance to beat this club than you might have thought uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. I, 
The biggest concern I have, if you look at uh, the latest note uh, we have on rotowire.com for, for Jonathan Taves, uh, it quotes uh, Coach Quimbo as saying uh, that his injury, quote, isn't getting any better, uh, which is certainly a huge concern. You know, back injuries can be notoriously uh, lingering, and, and it definitely would have me worried. You know, I mentioned that at the top of the show. It's unclear how long he's going to be out, which is a concern. Uh, as far as goaltending goes, if, if there is a backup that I have to see coming in consistently and, and have to trust, I, I think Darling's one that I do. Uh, I do trust him. I, I think he can hold down the fort until Crawford gets back. The, the concern will be I haven't looked at their schedule, but if they have a lot of back-to-backs coming up and they have to rely on, on their third netminder, uh, Lars Johansson, that would get me a little bit concerned. But if they have, you know, they can kind of just let Darling take as many of the starts in the next two to three weeks, I think they'll be okay. Did you hear the story on the weekend, too, where they uh, they were short in terms of goaltending, couldn't get a hold of an, uh, one of their AHL guys, so they, they looked around, they even canvassed the Flyers to help them out, and the Flyers got some staffer to, to get suited up and go out <laughs> into, the, into the pregame skate. That, would have, that must be the thrill of a lifetime for a guy. I mean, can you imagine just hanging by the board and they tap you on the shoulder and say, AJ, how about putting on the uniform and just taking a couple of laps around the rink in, in the pregame skate and uh, coming on our bench? What a thrill that must have been for that guy. Yeah, I think the warm-up would be exciting and, and interesting. <laughs> I think the part where the game starts and you're sitting on the bench like just praying that the starter doesn't get hurt because uh, that would definitely be be a nightmare situation, a, I think. A little on the terrifying side, no question. <laughs> uh, in Colorado, here's a defenseman that I, that I had a, a, an asterisk around is Eric Johnson. I thought this guy has been a guy who has really tempted me with some good years offensively and, and kind of been underestimated in some circles at draft tables. I kind of look for where this guy falls, and, and he's been uh, dropping in the last couple of seasons, but I still think he has a lot of op- offensive upside. Trouble is, he broke his tibula, and he'll be out for six to eight weeks, so that's really decimated the Colorado defense because they're also without Feder Tutin, another good puck-moving guy. And up front, Gabriel Landeskog is also out of the lineup. Colorado is going to be life and death to make the postseason if they can't stay healthy because right now they're not scoring like I think they should and uh, and they're missing a couple of their key D-men on the blue line. Yeah, I mean, Colorado's already last in the league in the standings and yeah, they lose their, arguably, I agree, Paul, their best defenseman uh, in Eric uh, Johnson there. And for me, I think it's time to close up shop sell off what you can before the trade deadline and and start looking towards next year, which it probably was the case when they lost their coach two weeks before the seat, two or three weeks, whatever it was before the season started, it didn't bode well for their start. So uh, close it up, sell what you can and, and look to next year, in my opinion. Well, and when I was looking forward to this year, I thought that Columbus would be a team. This is where I get my loony back from you. Uh, I, <laughs> I touted Columbus big time as a team that, that could surprise people because I love the size that they have, the collection of power forwards up front. But lo and behold, when the talk of the rookies uh, is coming up now, a defenseman or two uh, are at the top of this list. Uh, and one of them is right here in Zach Wierenski. This 19-year-old's on fire, 17 points and a plus five rating. He's logging 22 minutes of ice time, delivered eight points on the power play so far. Uh, he's doing it all. And as far as I'm concerned, he is the rookie of the year right now. Yeah, I agree with you there. I, I think uh, my my U.S. dollar is already on its way to you, Paul. Uh, you can go buy yourself a, a Starbucks on me. 
but uh, or uh, maybe maybe head over to Tim Hortons and get a donut for me. That's um, it. That's it. That's the deal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I I think when when Jack Johnson becomes your third best defenseman uh, behind Wierinski and, and Seth Jones, I, I think something's working well for you there. Um, and you know, you mentioned Wierinski had a little bit of a blip on the radar, but ended a, a four game. Uh, point drought with his sixth goal of the season last night. And I definitely think not only rookie of the year discussion, he could be in the Norris trophy discussion. Uh, I looked at the the standings last night. He's sitting at seventh as far as defensive scoring goes. Um, so there, there could be some accolades coming his way. Isn't that something on the, on the Norris train? How about that? <laughs> Doubling down and the uh, Dallas stars. This is a team we talked most of the time we've talked about this team and it's their lengthy injury list, but they're getting healthier and, and there is some traction in goal for one of their goalies. Uh, I was surprised to note that uh, Patrick Eves is leading this team in goal scoring with all the higher, uh, higher profile guys. Uh, it's time to look at what he's produced and he's in the, consistently in the top six role over here. So that's uh, an interesting note offensively, but in goal, Carrie Lettinen has performed quite admirably since the last time we got together. And it looks like he's, uh, he's taken over a bit of control in the number one goalie situation there. Yeah, Eves is actually on pace for uh, a, a career year, which is a little surprising. I, when I looked at his numbers, I, I thought he had done, you know, a little bit better. I've, I've always been high on him, um, and his numbers just haven't been exactly um, as high as I expected uh, looking at him. But he's on pace for, for a solid season, and it looks like they may finally get Yuri Hoodler back uh, it sounds like he's over the, the illness that he had. And now it's just a matter of conditioning, which, you know, bolsters this team even more. Uh, I think he's a great, I think he'd be top six, uh, on most teams, but he'll probably end up being, you know, bottom six here, which will be a solid addition for him. Um, but I do think in that, uh, I'm, a, I'm going to disagree with you here, Paul. I think they're still going to do the split situation. I'm not sure Lettinen's done quite enough yet to really earn that number one job uh, for me. He's, he's just getting more playing time. That's all I wanted to point I agree with you. It's a bit of an ins- unstable thing. They overcommitted on the salary to these guys. We've both been on that train all year long, and nothing, <clears throat> nothing there has changed. It's just that he's getting more of the regular playing time. And as a guy who owns him in, in the... Uh, uh, famous rotowire thl uh pool that i'm i'm dominating once again i've got him in uh, as my third goalie in in my pecking order there so i'll i'll be happy if he continues to get more of the ice time that's all i'll say but a couple of guys in our home office have to be just crying the blues over the next club and that's the detroit red wings uh, our buddies jeff erickson and mike g uh two of our uh, prominent rotowire colleagues they're noted Red Wings fans. I think they could be getting a tap on the shoulder because this team's missing nine regulars. And I wonder if either of our buddies is, is having a skate out in the back there in, in the Madison office uh, parking lot uh, <laughs> because uh, this team is really struggling to find players to even play. Uh, and two of the bigger names include one of the one of the goalies, Jimmy Howard, and Justin Ablocator, one of the few big body players in Detroit's lineup that are out long term, it looks like. So some grave concerns in the Red Wings situation. Uh, can you make our buddies feel better about your, your analysis of the situation, or do you concur? Uh, I think they're, they're definitely struggling. I, I think the one bright spot has been Thomas Tatar has been stepping up, uh, at least in the last two games. I think he's going to need to do that to carry him forward a little bit, uh, a little bit more. 
but I, I did notice uh, Mike G was actually in Michigan to see uh, his uh, his college team, Western Michigan, play a couple of weeks ago. I'm wondering if maybe he stopped over at the Joe uh, for a quick tryout, put the skates on, see what he can do, because they're definitely looking for bodies there. That's for sure. Um, it's it's kind of uh, amazing. I don't know what sort of bad juju that that they've got going there. Um, but you know, maybe getting in the new arena next year will help, you know, shake some of that off. Cause yeah, they're, they're dropping like flies up there. You know what? It, I just got an idea. We got a, we, we got our annual Vegas, uh, convention that we all gather for in July. I hope that, that the guys all bring their skates out because now they got a rink over there in Las Vegas and we'll see if Mike and, and, uh, Jeffy and some of the other guys can, can wheel around the ice, uh, on the skates that might be kind of fun yeah paul if you can uh if you can use your contacts and get us a, a game day skate i'm definitely in i'll be right there i'll i'll pack them up and bring them over beautiful uh let's work on that that could be a lot of fun in edmonton uh the emergence of leon dreisaitl is something that something that i kind of forecast in our preseason pools and i but i didn't think that he'd do it in a in a winger role on the first line i thought he would hold down the second offensive line at center and maybe it's a good thing that he's on the wing on that first line because it's continued to give uh, ryan nugent hopkins a chance to prove himself as a as a second line center but he's really falling short with ordinary an ordinary stats line i wonder if tricidal is going to continue long term on that first line right wing role i think there's going to be some movement uh there in terms of roster shuffling a guy that i'm also keeping an eye out for is patrick maroon He's shown in previous stops uh, that he can play a top six role. So I think when the dust settles, Maroon will be the one that gets in. And I think Nugent Hopkins might be the one that loses a top six uh, billing here in Edmonton real soon. Actually, I'll disagree there. I I like Maroon actually on the wing with Nugent Hopkins and with Everly. Uh, Bennett Pouliot could slide out in, in my opinion there. And I think that line, Maroon, RNH, and Everly could probably be, you know, a top, a top six line on, on a handful of teams in the league right now. Uh, so having that as your second line, I, I think they're looking up there. Uh, I have kind of talked about it. I, I think they can get value out of Nugent Hopkins if they feel they have to trade him. Uh, but I don't think they need to. Uh, I'd like to see them hold on to him, you know, for the duration of this run. I, th- I think they can make a deep run at least at the playoffs, if uh, if not even further. Yeah, I'm just focusing on the fact that this guy's got 12 points in 27 games. That's barely, that's not a 40-point pace for the season. This guy was a former number one overall pick. You got to get more out of him, and if you're not going to get it in Edmonton, don't flush his value by putting him in a third-line role. Look to trade this guy. That's, that's the point that I'm raising, so we'll see how that one pans out. I think long-term, though, he's got to do better than he is right now. In Florida, I register great surprise at the lack of offense that this team is getting from the blue line. That's one thing that that is notable in their slide so far this season. With Aaron Eckblad and Keith Yandel, I thought they had two guys here with 50-plus point potential on the blue line. They're both well off that pace. I also don't understand what's happened to Nick Bugstead. I know he had a broken wrist earlier in the season, but he has the tools to be a serious top-six player and just is nowhere near that profile. So that's three names on this roster that are falling way short of expectation. And it kind of explains where the Panthers are, are right now, doesn't it, A.J.? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, their one bright spot, uh, Jonathan Marchessault, was out last night as well. You know, I, I'm starting to wonder if maybe Bugstad's playing hurt. Um, he definitely doesn't look like himself. And then, you know, the other the other question I have is if, you know, Father Time finally realized he forgot about Yarmir Yager <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, just noticed him out there for the first time. 
Uh, and uh, he hasn't been doing quite as well. You know, Jonathan Huberto is out, so we'll give him a little bit of leeway with that. That's certainly going to hurt their scoring, but um, I'm as surprised as you are that this team has not been performing up to a level that we expected. Yeah, and one team that's really survived quite nicely without the, their starting goalie, Jonathan Quick, who's still out. They've gotten a lot of mileage out of Peter Budai, who we highlighted last week as the stud of the week. But who would have guessed up front of him, Alec Martinez would be second on the team in scoring. This is Alec Martinez, a defenseman, a second-pairing defenseman for much of the time, is second on the team in scoring. On the downside, one Anze Kopitar, who uh, is lauded as one of the better two-way players in the league, well, he must be playing good defense because he's got a plus four, and he's only got two goals so far this year in 20 games played. I'm sure he's been banged up a little bit, missed five games so far, but they got to get more out of their number one center, don't they? Uh, I don't think so. I, I, I like two the fact goals. he's come on. <laughs> he's got he's got five helpers in their last two games though, true. so he's That's he's true. clearly doing something right. Um, and I, I'm with you. I, I like Alec Martinez. Uh, Martinez. I think he's a solid mid range fantasy option, but I do think it's a bad sign for the team as a whole if he's their top five in scoring. Uh, he's he's just not not a, an offensive powerhouse that you would expect. And so I think it says more about the rest of the team that he's that high up on their list uh, than, you know, him having a, an outstanding year or anything like that. Yeah, that's my my opinion as well. You don't look at this guy as a guy who's a 40-point guy on the blue line. He's enjoying a hot start, but when it's, the dust settles, I think he'll be there right around the 30 mark uh, as a high-end probability. And so they got to get more offense out of the rest of the team. And, and I look for Kopitar. To, you know, don't worry about uh, – I know I was sounding a little bit down on him, but don't worry. This guy's one of the best two-way players in the game. He'll get his power play points, and, and he'll get his point total up around 75 by the end of the season, no doubt in my mind. In Minnesota, we talked about uh, Zach Parise a little bit in terms of the question that came up earlier in the week. He's back in the lineup, and, and I talked about the question that I fielded. And I chose Parise to be, because he's a better scorer. So I'll remind listeners about that. Keep an eye out on where these guys are playing, too. And uh, one other guy there that's worth noting is Nino Niederreiter. Finally, this guy's catching fire, producing a little bit of offense. They've been A lot of people have been waiting on this guy to see the, the capability that he's showing most recently with seven points in his last seven games. Is this the tip of the iceberg and, and uh, tipping point in terms of better season for him, do you think? Yeah, I definitely think it could be. He's he's an exciting player to watch. Um, I definitely like, you know, what he's adding uh, to the squad. And and this was a team that you know I was down on a lot uh, this year. I think the thing I really like about him in terms of fantasy value is, uh, you know, three of uh, his seven goals have come on the power play, and that's always a huge boost to you. Um, I will point to our listeners that I was on Taves instead of Parisi, who uh, Parisi's currently bogged down in a little bit of a slump. He's got a four-game uh, pointless stretch, uh, so that'll be another one for the books between Paul and I here because, <laughs> uh, you know, Parisi not, not uh, excelling like we were maybe hoping uh, when he came back from injury. All right, I think that ties it up at two apiece. I'll have to go through the tape of this one afterwards. <laughs> In Montreal, a lot of people are holding their breath on the Alex Galchenyuk situation. He suffered a leg injury on the weekend. We're not sure how severe, but it doesn't look good, and he's, it's not a short-term thing, so that's really going to mess up their top six because he was holding down the fort as a number one center there, and uh, now they've had to juggle a lineup, and it's reflected in a, in a tough road trip. The, the team has seen Carey Price's goals against average balloon to a high 1.84. 
I'm kidding here, <laughs> folks. But they're 3-3 three and three in their last six games, and that's half the losses that they've had on the season. Are there some cracks showing here, some concerns in your eyes, AJ? No, I, I think, you know, you mentioned uh, jokingly the, the ballooning goals against average, but I, I view this as more of a blip on the radar, the 3-3 the three and three record in the last six games. I do have serious concerns about Galchenkov, though. Uh, the fact that they had him down, it, it sounds like in St. Louis, maybe seeing a specialist uh, for, for that leg injury. Uh, going to be back in Montreal. Hopefully we'll get an update in the next couple of days here. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I don't think it's going to be short term. And I think that's a, a, cert, a significant blow to their their team. And, and the depth that they have behind them is not exactly what I would hope for. But I wouldn't be too worried. Montreal fans, you do still have Carey Price in net. That's right. In terms of the player that might step up into the top six role offensively, I'm pointing to David Dayarnay, who's worked with Pacioretty successfully in a top six role. And he's been relegated to third line status. But he'll move up and play top six minutes in place of the injured Galchenyuk to fill that void. And, of course, they're going to count on on other veterans to hold the fort. Thomas Blokanitz is another guy who's only got seven points this year. He has to rev it up offensively as well to pull up some of the slack. So look for Blokanitz and Dearneda to be more of a factor in the offensive game with Galchenyuk out of the lineup there. Uh, we move over to Nashville. And uh, another tough injury to a frontline player, James Neal, week to week. Oh, it's tough when they list these guys as week to week instead of day to day. That means it's long-term, AJ, for, with an upper body injury here. And then on defense, uh, Ryan Ellis is still on the IR with an upper body injury that's nagging. Looked like he was close to coming back, but had a bit of a setback last week. And further, in terms of the negative, uh, <laughs> Forsberg, Philip Forsberg, only two goals to date, and he ranks as one of the biggest disappointments for me in the entire league in terms of a guy with an offensive profile that's simply not delivering the goods. So some negative signs in the Nashville situation. Yeah, Forbert, just one assist in the last five games, really not adding much even, you know, we talked a, a little bit about you know other players that aren't scoring, but they're adding, you know, other contributions, and it seems like Forsberg really isn't adding much to the lineup at all. Um, you know, James James Neal injury, I think, is a huge blow for them. He's definitely their their top scorer, and probably will be even when he gets back. Um, I think this team will need to kind of just keep pace with those wild card teams, hold on for for dear life, and and hope they can stick with them. You know, Peke Rene is going to be the linchpin here. Uh, 4-0-1 in his last five appearances, so he's definitely stepping up his game, but they're going to need him to be at his absolute best given the lack of scoring that they're going to have on their offense, I think. And AJ, in New Jersey, I've I've long been a fan of the potential of Travis Zajac, but I'm not talking about a 23-year-old kid anymore. This guy has been struggling for much of the last seven years if you can believe it but he looks finally this season like he's got his act together and he's that big rangy center that every team covets and he's really delivering the goods Uh, a very good bit of news for the New Jersey Devils and further to that though uh, I'm concerned about Kyle Palmieri, who has the same profile as Bolesky that we pointed out over in Anaheim Palmieri's another guy that carried uh the wave of, uh, of one good season into a large contract extension. He's only got eight points so far this year. That's poor money spent in New Jersey on this guy, it looks like. So there's one up, one down. Give me your thumbnail on Zajac and Palmieri, please. Yeah, I think Zajac is absolutely having a, a solid season. I'd like to see him move up uh, over Adam Henrique onto that top line. 
I think he could pair up really well with Taylor Hall and PA Parento. Uh, so I'd, I'd like to see that switch. Although, you know, putting all your eggs in one basket, maybe they're trying to avoid that and spread out some of their scoring between their, their top lines there. Um, I do think it's, it's important to point out that they are going to get back uh, some more depth pieces. It uh, looks like Bo Bennett and Sergei Kalinin should be back in their depth chart um, and ready to go. So that'll help a little bit. Maybe they can start uh, scoring a little bit more frequently. Uh, and then, yeah, as far as, uh, as far as Palmieri goes, I don't hate the production for, for the cost. Um, I, I certainly want more, but you know, as we've highlighted, this is not a team that's expecting to have blowout wins. Uh, they're, they're one goal game win teams. And I don't hate how much they're spending on Palmieri. As I said, I'd like more, but, but I'm not, uh, I'm not writing them off, uh, even at the, the just under $5 million price tag. And AJ, you pointed out the all, all the eggs in one basket approach. I think that's what's going on in, on the Island. And it's to the direct detriment of this offense here. It looks like Tavares wingers have been uh, a couple of helicopter situations. They keep changing these lines and, and the wingers are, are, constantly in flux and so uh, I'd like to see Brock Nelson off this line instead of playing the wing hold down the second center spot but he and Bailey are the only two other guys other than Tavares that even have more than 10 points on the season that really tells the tale offensively here Uh, what do you think about a possible move for Brock Nelson to the to the center position you think it's a it's a wise thing to do or should they keep this all eggs in one basket approach the the only concern I have is what other option do they have I, I don't really see you know Shane Prince maybe um if they get uh, Anthony Bouvier uh back maybe he can slot back in there you know but you're not going to put Jason Chimera up there you're not going to put Cal Clutterbuck you know I just don't know what what other options they have on the wings and and I think that's the biggest concern there is yeah it's all you know all in on that top line but there's not anything else to be put in you know, on the other line either. So uh, not really sure what the answer is there. Yeah, um, I think we're talking now. about two lottery teams there when you think about these clubs and uh, in Colorado. So that, that might be the best news uh, that they can look forward to the rest of the season. On the Rangers situation, uh, they're rolling despite Mika Zibanejad's broken leg, but that's a big blow along with Michael Grabner, who's off on a trip to Austria to deal with a personal situation. Two, two big offensive pieces really missing there. What does it say for the future of the Rangers short term? I think they're going to be fine. I, I think this team continues to, to produce with uh, kind of some unsung heroes. I think uh, we saw a lot of that last year, too, in, in their playoff run. Um, you know, Jimmy Vesey will be asked to step up. Uh, they brought Matt Pumple over, uh, claimed him off waivers. So they, they've got some guys that are going to be asked to step up. I think they can. Uh, and again, this is another situation where, you know, when you've got the, the backstop that you do in, in King Henrik, it's hard to be too concerned about their long term or short term prospects. And, and it's worth noting that I've been high on JT Miller, but he's moved down in the depth charts out of a top six role. This is a guy who's tied for the point leadership in the Rangers situation, but he's very versatile. I think that's a temporary move and you'll see him back in a top six role very soon. I'd also like to see a little bit more of Matt Zuccarello, a, a guy who's been one of their leading scorers the last couple of seasons, only 17 points in his first 26 games so they have room to get uh, more out of a couple of players to fill the gaps provided left by the injury long-term injury it looks like to make it Zabana Jad and Grabner's uh, absence will be a short one as as we pointed out 
On, uh, in Ottawa, in the nation's capital up here in Canada, Bobby Ryan has got to be ranked as a disappointment, dealing with injury woes, only eight points in 21 games, along with his hang- hand injury. Pretty much the only bad news here in Ottawa, though, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I, I'm, I've been really impressed uh, with Kyle Terrace this season. You know, 11 goals, seven uh, assists through the, the start of the year. Um, finally, I, th- I think, you know, uh, had a down year last year kind of due to the, the ankle injury he dealt with. So I, I'm glad to see he's kind of back on track. I do think uh, it is important to note, it seems like maybe the, the stress, the kind of travel being away from the team may finally be getting to Craig Anderson a little bit. Um, it's understandable, but you know he's allowed 12 goals in his last two uh, outings, got shelled last night by the Penguins before getting the hook. Uh, so I, I think maybe it's time for them to consider going with Condon a little more regularly just because it's it's a tough situation. I, and I wish the Andersons all the best. Um, but eventually you you had to believe that the, the stress, the added travel uh, was going to start adding up. And it, it looks like it has. Yeah. And I think you point out Mike Condon is looking like a viable alternative in that goaltending mix. He's produced a 1.62 goals against in seven appearances. So. The numbers are right there. They're actually better than Anderson so far. Anderson is a, sitting at a 246 with a 92.4 save percentage. Great numbers for, for him under any circumstance, but particularly so in the 19 games that he's played with all the stress that he's dealing with right now. So kudos to him and the rest of the Senators. This is a team that I didn't think they could play defense at all uh, with the roster that they had, but uh, the goalies have certainly delivered the goods. The goals against has been limited to a paltry 2.3. That's probably a goal better than last year if I look back at it. So a uh, great improvement. And the centerpiece is the defensive side of the puck, which is a real shock to me in Ottawa where they've improved so dramatically. In Philadelphia, there's been some improvement there too, but uh, a couple of useful players, Matt Reed on up front and Radko Gudas, a hard rock on the blue line, are out along with Michael Neuwirth in goal, so they're missing one from each of their tiers here, and Neuwirth's injury is a long-term one with a lower body injury. We told you to stash Andrew Stolarz last week. He's going to get a look eventually, but Mason has been playing lights out uh, right now for Philadelphia. Yeah, of course, the minute I call for a switch to Stolarz, Mason starts playing uh, like a quality netminder. Uh, <laughs> I, I do think long term this this might be a good thing for him. Maybe they can look at uh, you know, maybe his trade value goes up a little bit. I, I still think long term they should get rid of him. Um, but yeah, it seems like, you know, maybe it's that that pressure of having New Verth looking over his shoulder that, you know, kind of gets in his head a little bit uh, now that he's, you know, the clear number one there. Uh, he has been excelling uh, as much as I hate to admit that. Well, and and but let's talk about something that's going to put a bit more of a smile on your face, I think. We'll talk about <laughs> the Pittsburgh Penguins, although you have to be a little bit concerned. Matt Murray's had two ordinary games in his last two outings where he gave up a total of seven goals, opening the door for the flower. Marc-Andre Fleury, who won the last two starts that he fa- uh, faced uh, a lot of shots and only given up five goals against. Is this a case of the goalie staying in the net until they lose in Pittsburgh, or do you read more into this switch? It's the healthiest this team's been in a long while, too, with uh, Patrick Horn was coming back and tag right into a top six role he's got four points in his last three games yeah i think it's a it's a hot hand situation i i wouldn't read a whole lot into it um i think mike sullivan's just going to continue to ride which whichever netminders you know performing at his best at the time and i i think a lot of it has to do with why make a decision on who's going to be your number one goalie when you don't have to um and they definitely don't don't in my opinion both guys seem to be performing well 
you know, we've talked about other situations where they're doing a goalie split and neither guy really performs because that kind of lingering, you know, am I the number one? Am I the backup? Where am I? But it doesn't seem to be a problem right now in Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah. And you mentioned Patrick Hornquist back. That's, that's great for them. A, a huge uh, boost to the top line, uh, but have to give a little tip of the cap to Brian Rust, who picks up a hat trick last night. Uh, when you can get that kind of scoring from what, you know, looks like your third line, uh, you're definitely going to win some games. Yeah, the Penguins are going to be tough to knock off the purchase of Stanley Cup defending champ. I'll give you that one for sure. In San Jose, the older core <laughs> that has carried this team is going to be missing Tom, young Thomas Hurdle, uh, who's out long term with a knee injury. I, I think this guy's one of the uh, more exciting young talents out in the Western Conference, and it's a sad story to see him out of the lineup with this injury. And Martin Jones' numbers in goal are even better than last year when he finally got a chance to take the reins as a starting goalie. But on the other side of the coin, Joe Thornton looks like he's showing signs of finally slowing down offensively. He's long been among the top 10 scorers in the league, but he's facing an uphill climb to reach that plateau. He's only got 15 points in 25 games played. Do you uh, sell off on Joe Thornton if you're a season-long owner? I wouldn't. And, And the reason I wouldn't is I think he's gotten to a point in his career where he can let other guys kind of carry the load from night to night. They've got a good depth here on this team. I like what they have defensively. They're solid in goal. So he's not having to carry the load night in night out. Certainly that'll have a a down impact on, on your fantasy numbers, but he's still going to be up there uh, in the top half of the league and and definitely a, a solid option. I do really like him in, in daily contests. If you can catch him on one of those up nights, um, and I think he's just letting the rest of the team kind of carry him so that he's rested and healthy for another deep playoff run. Uh, St. Louis Blues, this is a team that I think they're going to be in cap jail pretty soon because they've got a guy on the blue line, Kevin Shattenkirk, who is having another fine year with 19 points in 25 games. It wasn't that long ago that we were talking about his name and a lot of trade rumors. This guy's a potential UFA next year. I know the trade deadline is a couple months away, but... Uh, we can't talk about too many negative things here other than a couple of depth, defender, depth defenders on the shelf right now. So I want to ask your opinion. What do you see uh, happening to Kevin Shattenkirk? Do you think he's going to re-sign and he'll move other pieces out? Or does he go and test the UFA market? I'd be surprised if he didn't test the free agency market. Um, but from their standpoint, as long as they're in the playoff hunt, I don't think he uh, should be on the trade uh, trading block there. I think you take the risk of losing him for now for the chance to to put some wins together and make a playoff run. Obviously, if they can get him to resign, that'd be great. They have a, a nice group there, so maybe they can convince him that they're closer to, to winning um, than they have been in the past. Um, but I definitely wouldn't trade him off. I, I think that would be a big big detriment to their blue line yeah i think it's it's uh, a comparable situation to what steve eiserman faced in tampa and we gave him a gold star for coming through that with flying colors the challenge will be the same in st louis for their management team to see if they can keep all the uh, veteran talent there happy so why don't we talk about tampa for a second though uh, to me uh, a guy who's flown under the radar for a long time there is val Philpula. this guy for ever since he's been in tampa he's played kind of a third line role but but been plugged in as a top six guy when 
been needed. He's been needed now uh, with the absence of, absence of Steven Stamkos, and he's filled in quite admirably. He's got 16 points in 26 games, but most of them are happening uh, of late. So kudos to him, and that might be a guy that you take a look at as a filler in season-long leagues and certainly an occasional look in daily, daily game, depending on the matchups, because he gets power play time as well. And on defense, a similar story can be written for Anton Strahlman, who started slowly. He wasn't playing with Victor Hedman, who ranks as one of the top five scoring defensemen in the league. But now Strahlman is reunited with the, the soaring Hedman, and uh, he's benefiting as well. So two guys that are under the radar in Philpola and Strahlman. Uh, are you on these guys too in search for help in season-long, uh, AJ? Absolutely. Yeah. If you need help in, in either of those positions due to injury or just a, a unfortunate draft, I think either of these guys can really chip in. I like uh, Valtteri Filippo a lot. I don't think he's quite going to reach uh, those kind of astronomical numbers he had in, in two, uh, 2011, 12, uh, but he could approach, you know, mid forties, even maybe get a look at 50 there. Uh, so, you know, I think he's going to keep performing well as long as Stamkos is out of the lineup. And now we get around to the Maple Leafs here in Toronto where we are finally seeing a complete, we're seeing the complete game that was advertised from from the start of the season for Austin Matthews. This guy uh, was came through a 13-game goalless slide, but he's got five goals in his last five games played. He's up to 19 points, a minus three rating in 24 games played. I'm pretty happy with his all-around game, and uh, he's, he's acquitted himself quite well. But one of the other young guns, uh, that the Leafs are pinning their hopes on. Willie Nylander has struggled, and he's found himself in Mike Babcock's doghouse, and he's been relegated to a fourth-line role in recent days. So that's a major development uh, for a guy that they pin hopes on being a top-six guy. I think he'll get his head straightened around. I've seen some uh, spark in him in, in the last little while. I don't expect him to be in a fourth-line role very long, but an intriguing note in goal that we talked about before we hit in the air, and that's the fact that the Leafs have been skating Kari Ramo, a veteran goalie, uh, since the preseason. He's been practicing with the club, though he's not under contract, but now there was news yesterday, or in the last couple of days, that the Leafs waived backup goalie Jonas Enroth, who's been winless in uh, five or six starts with the club, and didn't look very good in giving up two goals in the first minute of his last start. So it's a matter of time that uh, they gave up on him. And uh, Ramo might be uh, the, the, the next guy in the breach as a backup goalie, though his agent is making some waves in that regard. I do think this is a nudge-nudge, wink-wink situation where, where the friendship between that agent and GM Lamorello has paved the way for Ramo to eventually join the Maple Leafs. If you're looking for goalie depth, this might be an interesting pickup. Yeah, I, th- I think what you're hearing out of Ramos' agent is more just trying to increase the the number of zeros on, on the contract <laughs> there. True. Uh, you know, hedging, oh, you know, there's no agreement yet. He, he could sign for several different teams are giving him a look. I really think this just comes down to numbers. I'd be absolutely shocked if he signed anywhere other than Toronto. And what about in Vancouver? They're showing signs of life. We've throw, been throwing dirt on this club all season long, it seems, but they've uh, been showing a bit of a spark. Ryan Miller's playing a little bit better in goal. Their, their injury situation on defense, uh, highlighted by Alex Edler being out with a finger injury, he'll be missing four to six weeks, but that gives the young guys like Stetcher and Tanev a lot more time on the power play. Stetcher particularly has been acquitting himself quite well of late. Yeah, I think my concern here is that how much they're struggling scoring from the blue line. They've got just five goals from all of their com- uh, defenders combined this season. I mean, Brent Burns has 10 on his own. 
you know, and then the the other news to come out yesterday as far as injury goes, Derek Dorsett is going to have cerv- cervical fusion surgery in his neck. Uh, it sounds like they're expecting him to make a full recovery and be able to play again. But whether or not that's this season, I think would be a long shot. I don't know a ton about that surgery, but I'd be surprised if we see him back this year. What about over in Washington? A little bit of concern because they've lost uh, a top six winger in TJ Oshie. He's been out for the past week, couple of weeks and is still on the shelf, leaving top six minutes on the table for rookie Jakob Vrana and uh, veteran Marcus Johansson to vie for in the top six and power play time. Who do you think is going to get the longer look out of those two guys? I think it's going to be Marcus Johansson, um, but I definitely, I think Oshie's a huge loss. Um, I, I just don't think they have the depth to replace a guy of his caliber. They're going to rely on Ovechkin, Backstrom, and, and Johansson to really step up, but it, that's a hard player to replace, um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit of a drop-off offensively from them. Again, as, as I feel like I've said a hundred times already this podcast, uh, but when you've got a netminder like Braden Holtby behind you, you know it's hard to be too concerned about some of these offensive uh lapses yeah hope these numbers are not quite where they were last year but uh, boy he's a pretty steadying influence back there isn't he over in winnipeg there's been a lot of ink spilled on uh, newsprint talking about mark shifley in terms of positive output and scoring leadership and and challenging for the league lead in scoring but he's out short term with an undisclosed injury Uh, there's a lot of gray area around him and we hope it's not a long-term situation for sure it's the only thing that slowed him down at all but uh, right now we're hearing that it's not deemed too serious so don't panic if you're a Shifley owner Uh, he'll be back soon we think Uh, another big uh, tower of power on the blue line uh, that's missing is Tyler Myers he's not over the uh, lower body injury this is a big team when you look at the size of these guys that's really impressive that they can play the game at the pace that they do too and Hellebuck in goal certainly has taken the reins away from any competitors and uh, he's playing very very well right now holding down a goals against average of 2.67 so uh, some positive signs out of Winnipeg they're still only a 500 club what do you forecast for them going down the road I think things are definitely looking up in Winnipeg. I expect them to be, you know, in contention, uh, not only for a playoff spot, but maybe for even being the top three in their division. Uh, I think Little has three goals in his four games back from injury. That's a huge boost for them. And it seems like getting Little back has somehow made Dustin Bufflin uh, a top, you know, scorer again. He's got uh, an assist in each of the four games since Little returned. Not sure exactly why he needs Brian Little playing offensively for him to chip in, but whatever it takes to get him back on track, I guess. And then, yeah, Connor Hellybuck, we kind of talked about him last week needing to to make that that next step. Hopefully he can keep it up and uh, keep him in game so that uh, their offensive talent can can get the win for him. AJ, you and I, as far as we're concerned, uh, we know that this is the definitive hockey podcast, but FanDuel wants us to give a nod to the football fans out there by reminding them that football fans have all the victory every Sunday with FanDuel. Fantasy football is there for everyday fans. There's new contests starting every week, no busted seasons at all. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. New this year, there's an upgraded experience where you get even more contest variety. Try beginner contests for new players only. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head deal. Try a 50-50 contest where the top half win cash. Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement. Play for a dollar. There's choices for every budget. 
Now, AJ, you and I have been crowing about the success we've enjoyed uh, for the regular season in our uh, season-long Vegas pools, uh, Vegas leagues, rather, and it's turned out very well for both of us. I... uh, I narrowly missed in terms of the free roll that we have too, but I had luck on my side in the Vegas League to win my division and lock up the number two seed. I get a buy-in round one. I hear that you're at least as successful as that on your side. Yeah, I was, uh, as far as the the staff free roll on FanDuel, uh, I was the first one outside of cashing in. I had Latavius Murray and Devante Freeman nearly getting me to the promised land with 24 points. Uh, And then, yeah, as you mentioned in the Vegas League, uh, I came up short this week, uh, but I was still able to to lock in that number one seed uh, with DeMarco Murray on a on a bye this week. So hopefully, you know, I'll have him back in, in the postseason. I, I can see at the end there, Paul. Maybe at the end of the show, we'll trade links to our respective leagues because I don't know anything about the Vegas league that you're in. And you don't know much about the one that I'm in. But we've had a lot of fun with it. And we have bragging rights to talk about uh, with the rest of our buddies at Rotowire, it seems. Uh, uh, we remind pe- our friends and listeners to, uh, that we invite people to play in the Rotowire Championship by going to fanduel.com slash rotowire championship. Have all the fantasy football has to offer. Fanduel, be sports rich. There's a special offer for new users. Get a free six month Rotowire subscription with a $10 deposit on Fanduel. Go to fanduel.com slash RW. Not only will you get a free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on Fanduel. That's over $40 in value for just 10 bucks. Go to fanduel.com slash RW. All right, AJ, it's time to build our daily FanDuel lineups for Tuesday night's slate of games. There's nine games on the docket. We use FanDuel prices for all of Tuesday's games. Who do you have at center? All right, so I'm going all in in the center department. (laughs) I'm going to have to go cheap in other areas, but I'm going to cash in, hopefully, on the McDavid-Eichel matchup tonight. I'm taking both guys, McDavid at 8,600, Eichel at 6,800. I think those two guys are going to be looking to uh, outduel each other in a high-scoring game and hopefully uh, put up some significant points a la a Crosby-Ovechkin matchup. Well, and I'm going to counter. I'm going to save a little bit of money, but I'm looking at the Chicago situation where Taves is out of lineup. That means they're going to lean heavily on the other top six center, and that's Artem Anisimov, who gets to play with Panarin and Kane on the power play as well. And they're his regular line mates. So I think he's going to get a lot of work at center, particularly in the offensive zone face-offs. So I like that at $6,300. I think that's a great value among the centers. And I'll pair him with Derek Stepan against a lousy Islander team. This is a rivalry game, and Stepan's playing top six minutes. Anytime you can get a guy uh, playing against a lesser opponent, playing top six minutes for less than six grand, I'm on him. His price tag is 5900 bucks tonight. Four wingers you got to give me, AJ. All right. So I, I was only really able to afford one uh, option here. And so I went with Patrick Line at 7,300. I like the matchup against Detroit with all the injuries there. He's been on a tear of late. Uh, so then I had to go pretty cheap with my other options. We talked about Patrick Maroon earlier. He's only 4,900. Yes, he's listed as a, a fourth line guy, but I don't really expect him to be there. Um, I expect more out of him. I went Vibrato with Arizona you know, for also 4,900 might be able to catch something against Chicago with, with all their injuries. Uh, and then for 3,500, so really scraping the bottom wow. of the barrel, <laughs> able to get Shane Prince, who is a second line player on the Islanders, a yeah, tough matchup in the Rangers, but I, for, for how much I spent in other places, I needed somebody here 
and uh, Shane Prince is where I went. Well, you found uh, a top, with, top six guy for such a cheap value. That's a, that's an interesting pick. We'll see. I have to see how that goes. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sold on it, but it's <laughs> what I had to do if I wanted to go big in in the center department. Uh, how'd you do with your wings? I I went with a couple of cheapies and a couple of expensive, more expensive guys. Mike Camilleri is a guy who's turned it up offensively and turned back the clock a little bit. And for the Devils, he's getting top six minutes and power play time. He faces the Canucks, and uh, they'll be on the road. So uh, Devils are a little bit tougher at home, and I think that Camilleri is going to get some good opportunities on the power play there for $5,500, a good value. Talked about Patrick Eves in Dallas for $5,500. I'm on that one, too, given that he has an interesting matchup as well in uh, against Calgary, not a defensively strong team, and the Stars are at home tonight. Then I've got Rick Nash for $6,700 against the Islanders in that rivalry game where the decided edge goes to the Rangers. And then Jordan Everly playing with that McDavid guy at $6,700 is worth a look for me. And I'll take that uh, price tag, hoping for a big night from him uh, if your center does very well, too. On the blue, li- <laughs> on the blue line, AJ. All right. So I started off with Dustin Bufflin at, at $6,600. Again, talked about him before. Like the matchup with Detroit on a four-point uh, streak there, hoping maybe he can finally get a goal, um, but I'll certainly take some assists as well. Uh, and then I went with Damon Severson of New Jersey. This is another matchup that I like. The, the Canucks, we've been down on them all year, but they just are a struggling team. He's only 4,300, kind of their lead quarterback on their power play as well. So um, those are my two blue liners. Uh, what do you do defensively, Paul? Well, first, I want to give you a tip of the hat for finding a power play quarterback at less than 4500 bucks. You've got to go that route when you can, and Severson helps you fill a lineup where you went high end in other places. Uh, I, I opted for a couple of guys who have good matchups. I mentioned the Calgary game in Dallas. John Klingberg for $4,900 looks to me like a good value. He's underperformed offensively, but I've talked about the reeling Calgary uh, team. Uh, they're not very good defensively. And, and I think that this is a guy that, that can take advantage of that, particularly in special team situation. And then I also talked about the Islanders matchup against the Rangers. I like Ryan McDonough of the Rangers to get some offense going against a suspect Islanders team for 5300 bucks. I know I paid up a little bit, but uh, still good value plays, I think, on my blue line. In goal, who do you have, sir? Connor Hellybuck is going to be my netminder, 8100 Again, had to go for one of the cheaper options for how I spent in other places. Uh, I'll say it again. I like the matchup against Detroit due to all their injuries. Uh, I need to make sure he's going to play. So this could be one uh, situation if he's not that where I have to change some things up. But uh, I do expect him to be the starter there. Uh, and then, Paul, it looks like uh, you might be rubbing a little bit of salt in the wound with your goaltending pick. I'm picking Steve Mason. I, I know that that rubs you the wrong way because I highlight a Philadelphia guy. But I look at the matchup. He's facing James Reimer is expected to be in goal for Florida. This team is not the offensive juggernaut that several other clubs are in the league. So the Flyers have been playing better, uh, particularly at home most recently. And I'll take Mason for 8100 bucks. Uh, I know you have some some exciting news before we dive into the stud of the week, so I'm turning the microphone over to you at this point. Yeah, so we want to let our listeners know about uh, an exciting competition we're going to try out this week. Uh, so once uh, once you've gotten the podcast out there, uh, I'll tweet out a link, and, and Paul retweet as well. Again, uh, the tweet will come from at AJScholes24. And we're going to do a podcast $2 FanDuel contest. Uh, we invite our listeners to see how their lineup stacks up against the ones that Paul and I just outlined for you. Um, unfortunately, uh, the contest is 
limited to, to only 20 contestants. So we encourage you to lock your spot in right away. Um, but kind of an exciting option if uh, people want to see how they compare to to us prognosticators or uh, talking heads, as it were. Now, how, how's this going to work, AJ? Is it going to be the top person wins or everybody wins uh, half of what uh, the top half win half the money in the prize pool? What, what have you figured out there? Uh, so what I what I found was uh, we'll do a, a top third. Uh, okay. So it looks like, uh, you know, one through six. So we'll get we'll some cash. money on that. OK, one. cool. Good. Well, I'm looking forward to that. And I hope that uh, at least one of us can cash so we we can back up all the stuff that we've been talking about <laughs> for weeks and weeks. But let's do the stud of the week. Uh, I, I'm going to give a tip of the hat to Tuka Rask in the Boston net. This guy leads the uh, all goalies with a 1.6 goals against average, and he's been playing much of the last several weeks without Zdeno Chara, still producing these numbers over 18 games played. I think that's a big surprise to me, and one of the reasons why Boston is still among the top teams in the Eastern Conference and the Atlantic Division. Uh, Tuka Rask quietly is among the league leaders in goals against that. I think he's at the top of the list, even ahead of Carey Price right now, so a uh, real shock uh, to me, given the profile that Boston has without Chara and certainly an offense that's not been firing on all cylinders to protect him. Yeah, that's a great pick for the stud of the week. Uh, I want to point out he's uh, 14, four and one. He's got three shutouts. So he's almost got as many shutouts as he has regulation losses. Uh, and so that's, you know, I, I called this at the start of the season. I said it was Tuka time in Boston. I still think it is. Uh, he is going to be the make or break they're going to live and die uh with their netminder here so uh, as long as he can keep going boston will keep going as well and just been performing uh, on top of his game and one i got to spend a couple more minutes on my rant than i normally would it's annual rant time folks the shootout must go What's wrong with an OT tie anyway is my position uh, uh, off the highlight. But I was bummed out again on Saturday night watching my Leafs lose in the skill competitions after completely dominating the homestanding Vancouver Canucks. AJ, they outshot Vancouver 40-24, to and I know a goalie will steal a win once in a while, and I'm fine with that. But this game ended after a five-minute overtime where Leafs outshot Vancouver 7-1, to and I'd have been satisfied with that tie given, even given that level of dominance. But then I go ahead and see the skills competition take place and Vancouver steals two points. It was, it was awful. And, and no other sport settles in overtime uh, this stupidly except soccer with penalty kicks. I, it's, it would be like quarterbacks throwing uh, balls through tires or free throws settling an NF- NBA game at home or a home run hitting contest to settle baseball games. Who would be happy with that? Not me. I also don't want the fact that some games award two points and other games give away three with one point for the overtime loss. So I'm going to start tweeting out on a regular basis, and maybe we should have a poll about this, to change the NHL's winning reward for teams that win in regulation for three points, an OT win worth two, and an OT loss worth one. That way there's no three-point games and at the expense of some two-point games on the same night. I think it's fairer all the way around. Yeah, I, I, I disagree a, a little bit here, Paul. I absolutely do not want to go back to ties. Um, I, I've been railing against uh, ties for much of the season in the NFL. Um, but having said that, I certainly see your point uh, regarding the shootout as well as changing the awarded points. That's something that I've been high on for a long time as well. 
Um, what I do love is the three on three. So I say just make it sudden death until somebody scores. I really can't imagine a situation in which the three on three takes more than 10, maybe 15 minutes max. Um, I personally, I don't hate the shootout, but I certainly understand the complaints. Uh, but please, 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 no ties in the NHL. We got rid of it. We don't need to go back. I don't think there's a more disappointing way to end the game. Um, if, if we're going to go back to ties, we might as well start handing out participation Stanley Cups <laughs> to every team in the league at that point. Um, so it, change the scoring. Go to sudden death OT. The three on three has been so exciting, but no ties. Yeah, the three on three is great. I mean, four on four hockey, you, you see the stat as the seasons wind down. There's not a lot of score, scoring that goes on in regulation games when there's four on four hockey. I'm so glad they went to three on three. And another point that's worth mentioning is the time that it takes to set up the shootout and scrape the ice and do the shootout is equivalent to another five minutes of playing time. I say, let's scrap this shootout entirely, go an extra five minutes, and you're right. The lion's share of these games would definitely be settled within 10 minutes of playing time. It wouldn't extend the games beyond what we're seeing now with these infernal shootouts. That skills competition has got to go. I want our listeners to be with me, but I've got to hear it from them. I hope you tweet us out uh, and respond to the poll that, that, that we put out after the show. That uh, wraps up this week's podcast with Statsman and AJ. Remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. And you can follow AJ at AJScholz24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-24. You like how I keep doing that at USZ, AJ? I do, but if you want to switch over to the Canadian Z, more power to you, Paul. Okay, I'll do Z then. Uh, <laughs> we ask you to look out for our podcast, The Hockey the podcast, the hockey pod every week so that you get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contest. So long, everybody. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.